Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here. I am super excited that you decided to jump in and join us on this post-Thanksgiving Sunday, which is always an exciting time as we begin the journey of leading toward Christmas. I hope you had an awesome Thanksgiving. If you celebrated Thanksgiving this past week, I had an awesome Thanksgiving day, even though I was a little under the weather. Um, I've been trying to kick that for about three weeks now. But you know those three things that I told you to avoid at the Thanksgiving table? A, Trump. B, sexual harassment, and B, or in C, vaccines, right? Remember I told you to avoid those three things? Well, just so, lo and behold, the table that I was at, all three were brought up, and that was an exciting thing. And so I was excited to watch that process kind of go on as I sat back and followed my own advice and shut my mouth. But you know, it was just an exciting time. But I'm so excited to be a part of week two here because I truly believe that this week is going to be the most important week in this series as we talk about the idea of thanks but no thanks. Because we've been talking about this idea, this virtue of forgiveness. And how do we in our life experience forgiveness as God has called us to forgive? First of all, we talked about last week the idea of forgiving others. We took that a step further. We talked about the idea of forgiving your family. And how do you actually when wronged by those who are supposed to be closest to you, when wronged by those who are supposed to be your blood, who are supposed to have your back, how do you actually, at the end of the day, experience forgiveness in your own heart? Because we said forgiveness was about you, not about them. How do you experience forgiveness related to your family? And last week I said it, this week I'll echo it. I truly believe that this week is the most important, even though don't miss next week because we're going to wrap up in a big way. But this week we're going to talk about what it looks like as we experience forgiveness related to yourself. And how do we look back on the things that we've done in our own life, the people we've wronged, the bad, the things that we've done that are against God and actually experience forgiveness, truly experience forgiveness and then next week, we're going to wrap up and we're going to talk about how to actually forgive in your own heart God. How do we experience forgiveness related to God? Because there are some of us, if we were being honest, who believe that God has wronged us, that we were dealt an unfair hand, right? That we had one pair and the guy next to us had a full house. How do we experience forgiveness related to God? Well, I want to launch into something here. I'm going to move this screen out of the way so you can see the big screen for just a second because I want to tell you a quick story about a time when I had to experience forgiveness related to myself. Now, I don't know if you're like me or maybe you're in a relationship in the room or maybe you're married in the room or you're engaged and you're going to be married. I don't know where you're at, but for whatever reason, I've had to experience or learn to forgive myself a lot related to my marriage, okay? It's just one of those things where I care about Caitlin a lot. I love Caitlin a lot. And so when I mess up in our marriage, I carry the weight of that around. And I've had to learn how to process letting go of some of those things that I've done wrong to her. And it just so happens, right, that it happens quite a bit in marriages because you're in a relationship where you have to compromise and live together and coexist. And at the end of the day, tensions are just going to eventually rise to the surface. And me and Caitlin, I don't know if you know us personally, but I'll tell you a little bit about us. We got married when we were decently young. 
In fact, when I got engaged, Caitlin was 19 and I was 25, right? We got engaged in Millennium Park in Chicago, got married when she was 20 and I was 26. And when we got engaged, she was in nursing school. And by the way, if you've ever been to nursing school, you know how stressful it is. I probably have more respect for nurses than any person on the planet based on what they have to go through week in and week out. And Caitlin was in a very intense program. So I said to her, I had this idea. I said to her, I go, look, I know you're busy. I know you're stressed. This is an important thing as we lead up to our wedding after we're engaged. Let me handle our engagement photos. And she goes, you want to handle our engagement photos? I said, oh yeah, I got this. I said, I'll set up the photographer. Tell you what, I'm even going to like lay out some poses, okay? So I looked through some magazines at the time, got some poses lined up, and sure enough, made this photo shoot. This was one of the poses that we decided to go with here. <laughs> which was an exciting thing. Um, that picture has not been flipped. That was actually on the ground, okay? Actually, I will dare I say this is the only time that this picture has ever been shown publicly, just so you know. That is my hair. We actually decided to go with a sepia tone on the picture because it was as bleach blonde as you can imagine it being. And she said to me after we got these back, what is wrong with you? How, what, who would decide to do something like this? And I said, well, I thought this was a good idea at the time. She goes, well, it's not. And I got to tell you, like I carried this around for a long time in my life. I was like, I can't believe I messed like we get one engagement. I messed this thing up, right? So I carried this around so much that I actually decided to make it up to her a couple of times. So I flew the girl to Paris and scheduled a photo shoot, photo shoot to make up for this bad engagement shoot that I carried around for a long time. But this wasn't good enough, right? I was still carrying the weight of it around. So I flew the girl to Hawaii and scheduled a photo shoot, right? Just to make up for this one thing. And I was like, I have to figure out how in the world do I forgive myself related to this particular incident in my life? Because there was only one usable picture out of the entire shoot that I scheduled. Here's the truth. That's kind of funny. And a lot of us related to our families and people that we care about in relationships, maybe it's your job, maybe it's a coworker, have some funny things in our life. But here's the question. What happens when we screw up? So that was something that was a little bit of a joke, but not really because that was a real issue that we dealt with and we had to make that right. But what happens when we really screw up and we wrong someone or we cross that line that we know that we shouldn't and we wrong God and we fall into our demons that we know that we've tried to beat? What happens when we screw up. Because if we were being honest with each other and the playing field was level, we could probably every single person in this room at some point in our life, whether you are a teenager, a middle-aged adult, a senior adult, we could probably all agree on this next statement that I'm going to put on the screen. We could probably all agree on this. We've all done some pretty dumb stuff. So when we do some pretty dumb stuff, what happens? And furthermore, when this dumb stuff is really bad and we wrong someone or we hurt someone, we begin to carry it around. It begins to weigh our heart down. It begins to weigh our life down. So we have to ask ourselves, when we do this dumb stuff, when we mess up the life of someone else, furthermore, when we mess up our own life, how do we then experience forgiveness related to ourselves? as God would, don't miss this, as God would have us live? See, I believe that we know a God and have a God that believes in something. 
We believe in a God in Jesus who believes in redemption. He wants us to be redeemed. When we say yes to believing in him, and I'm going to talk about that in a second, the end goal is redemption. How do we, based on those dumb things we've done, experience redemption? Understanding that along the way, somewhere along the way, it's not just about redemptions, but we might have to face the consequences of what we have done. The consequences for me messing up that engagement shoot, man, I spent a lot of Delta Sky Miles to fly that girl all over the world to make it right. And my Sky Miles account is very sad because of it, but I did it to make it right. That was one of my consequences, right? But sometimes the consequences are serious. Sometimes they're deep. Sometimes they cut us. Sometimes we don't know if we're actually going to even be able to make it back from them. Because here's one of the things that I believe. We talked about forgiving others last week. We talked about forgiving others, specifically family members who have wronged us. Here's one of the things I want you to know about forgiving others and forgiving yourself. This is something that I believe. Forgiving yourself can be a lot harder than forgiving others. Why? Here's why I believe that's true. Because others... We can actually forgive it. Last week we talked about this. And you can reconcile or you can have separation. Maybe you don't have to look at anybody anymore who's wronged you. And you can just say, I forgive in my own heart and I've moved on. But you, you have to look at. You have to live in every single day. When you look in a mirror, there's only one person you see. That's you. So forgiving yourself can be actually a lot harder than forgiving others. But here's why I think that we need to stop and hit the pause button right here. This is what I mean. Why we need to understand at the core of why this is so important is because if you have said yes to following after Jesus, this is true for you, right? And if you haven't said yes to following after Jesus, you should do that. It is a simple moment where you in your life just say, yes, I believe that he is who he said that he was, the risen Messiah, and I'm going to turn my life and follow after him. If you haven't done that, you should do that. But if you have done that, and you have said yes to following after Jesus, you have been forgiven by the creator of the universe for everything that you've done and will do. He has wiped your slate clean every single day. If the God of the universe, should we say yes to him, can forgive us, then how are so many of us so down on ourselves week in and week out. Now, don't miss this. I'm not telling you to go out and be an idiot, okay? There are consequences to your actions. We mentioned that. But there was this cool thing that was happening in the New Testament, in the Bible, because there was this group of people, right, who were called the Philippians. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but this book is powerful and good. And see, these Philippians were a group of people who were all, their names all started with some form of the name of Philip, right? It was like Philippe, Philippi, Felipe. I'm just kidding. No, they lived in a town called Philippi. That is not the Philippians, okay? Some of you just, it was a little joke on the side. But they lived in this town called Philippi, and they were part of the early church movement. And there was a guy in the New Testament who addressed what they were going through because they were going through some of the very same things that I've described for you here this morning. The guy who addressed them was Paul. 
Now, Paul, let me tell you about Paul for a second, because we talk about a lot of guys here and, j- and gals here too. Just so you know, at the beginning of next year, we're going to have a brand new series called The Big Story. It's going to be awesome. You cannot miss it because we're going to talk about how all these guys and gals throughout the scripture weave together, culminating in Jesus. And Paul is one of those guys we're going to talk about. But let me give you a little preview. See, Paul was a Pharisee, right? When Jesus walked to the earth, he was not happy that Jesus was here. He was a religious scholar and teacher of the time. In fact, after Jesus died and people started to become followers of his, Paul hunted down and persecuted and killed Christians. So Paul was a bad dude, but Paul had an encounter with Jesus on a road that changed his life. And Paul became a follower of Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, the most famous Christian to ever live. Follow me? And then he started to address the early church. And he started to address this people, these, this group of people in Philippi. And what they were doing was, much like we're trying to figure out, right? They were attempting to get things right. And they were screwing up. And they were dealing with guilt. And they're dealing with shame because they hadn't gotten everything right. And if you have a scripture, you can t- turn to the book of Philippians chapter 3. That's where we'll be today. If not, any mobile device is great. If not, always it'll be on our screens. So here it is in Philippians chapter 3. Here's what it says. This is Paul talking. He goes, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, right? Or that I've already reached perfection, meaning, hey, I'm not here talking to you guys, writing to you guys, telling you that I'm perfect. I'm not here telling you that. But, that's what he said, but... I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Meaning, here's what he's saying. Guys, I'm not perfect, but you should strive for it. Woo, don't miss this. This is a process, and you'll probably not see this word on this screen for a long time because we don't put a lot of churchy words on the screen here at Downtown Harbor Church. But what he's talking about is a process known as, don't miss this, sanctification, okay? Before we go on, let me unpack what this word means. This is a word that means that over the course of time that you are going to grow in your faith, that you're never going to be perfect, but over the course of time, after you say yes to Jesus, you're going to understand what it means to know him more and love him more and then go out and to practice what he says and to love other people. And this is not going to happen immediately, that this is going to happen over time, don't miss this, that we strive for perfection in Christ, that we strive to not sin against God that we strive to not wrong others so we don't have to deal with the feelings of forgiving ourselves. But what I love so much about Paul and what I love so much about the Jesus movement is it's so real and it's so true because the fact is, as much as we strive for perfection, as much as we set out every single day to put one foot in front of the other and make the wisest and best decisions that we can, which you should, the truth is, the fact of the matter is, is there will come a point in time where you will fail. Mark my words. You will fail. I will fail. People will fail as much as they strive for perfection. And Paul 
knew that. So he goes on to say this. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. I've not achieved perfection in Christ. Don't think I'm perfect. I'm not even there, even though I strive for it. But I focus on this one thing, so key, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Specifically, if you are a follower of Jesus because you have been forgiven and so many of us are tortured in our past failures. So here's what I want to just say for just a couple of minutes because I think this is important for us to understand what happens when we fail. Because I've put it out there that at some point, somewhere along the way, you're going to fail. And as I said before, I'm not telling you to. I'm telling you to strive for that perfection, but there's going to come a point in time when we stumble and fall and fail. And when that happens, some emotions begin to creep into our life. Do you know what those emotions are? Let me talk about those emotions and what they actually are and how important they are, right? The first one is this. When we fail, we are guilt-ridden, aren't we? We're going, how in the world did I mess up again? How in the world did I do that again? I said I would never do that again. We're guilt-ridden. And when guilt enters our life, so often we are crippled with shame. And we're just like, man, I can't believe this happened. I'm shamed at my behavior. I'm ashamed of myself. I know better than this. I should do better than this. I cannot wrong that person. I've already wronged that person, and they've forgiven me once and twice and a third time. I've done it again. Shame. And then when we feel a lot of guilt and shame, do you know what we do? We tend to do this. We tend to hide. We tend to disengage. Why? Because it's embarrassing. Because it's difficult. Here's what I want you to know just for a second. Just put this in your mind, okay? Those emotions, guilt, shame, and the physical act of hiding are real. But those emotions long-term, don't miss this, so key. Those emotions are not from God, okay? Here's what I want you to know about those emotions, okay? Those emotions, if Jesus is the center of your life, if you're experiencing those, God living in your life, dare we talk about the Holy Spirit, which we're going to go into in the beginning of next year at a detailed level, the Holy Spirit will take those emotions and it will allow you to make things right based on those emotions, not revel in those emotions. Because those emotions, guilt, shame, and the physical act of hiding will actually torture you if you let them. And that means, don't miss this, that means when they kind of lay in your heart and land in your heart long enough that they are no longer of God, but they are of human thought. And human thought is different than the thought of God. But if we just allow human thought to lay in guilt and shame and hiding, you will be tortured if you let it. And here's the deal. Those of us who've laid around and experienced what it looks like to revel in guilt and shame and then want to disengage, we know how torturing those thoughts are. And I don't believe those are from God. I believe they're from our human psyche, which we need to fight 
against by understanding what it means to forgive ourselves when we stumble, when we fail. But here's the truth. The fact of the matter is this. There's a tension here. There's a tension because it sounds easy. The guy on stage in the museum is talking about it. It must be easy. Don't think so. The tension here is this might be one of the most difficult things that you ever have to do. It's so hard to forgive yourself because we lay with ourselves every night and wake up with ourselves every morning and look in the mirror at ourselves every day. But I will tell you this, if you've said yes to following after Jesus, the brightest thing in your life that you have laying in front of you is a future because he promises a future filled with restoration and redemption and hope and love and salvation. And if you live in your own past, you will never have a future. Oh boy, is that difficult to do. But I believe it with all my heart. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I have not achieved perfection, but I focus on this one thing. As Paul said, forgetting the past and looking to what lies ahead. Every single one of us have done wrong. Every single one of us have sinned. Every single one of us have wronged someone else. It is time collectively that we as a group understand that it's time to put our foot in the sand, put our feet in the sand and say, we're not living there anymore. We're moving forward so that we can have a bright future, so that we can be that bright light to the world that Jesus called us to be. He said, don't hide that light under a bowl. Go out. And when we just lay in our past, we can't be that light that we're called to be because of guilt and shame. And then we hide. You know something else? This is actually a psychology thing, which I think is so important for us to get based on what happens when we don't forgive ourselves. Because if you don't forgive yourself, do you know what else is true? This is what I believe. You're likely to do the same thing again that caused the hurt. You're likely to do the same thing that caused the hurt again. Reveling in your own thoughts and reveling in your own feelings. And you're just like, you know what? I can't move on. Let me just do it again because it's the only thing that causes me relief. It's the only thing that might make me, help me get through it. And then we enter a cycle. And it's ugly. And it's ridden with guilt and shame. And here's something else that I want you to know as we begin to kind of wrap. Last week we talked about forgiving someone in your own family. Someone who might have wronged you in an exponential way. You may have wronged someone and you may even ask for forgiveness and you know what they may say to you? Don't miss this. You know what they may say to you when you ask? No, you don't deserve it. I'm still bitter. I can't forgive. You don't deserve my forgiveness. I can't ever in my life forgive you for what you've done. Here's what I want you to know. Even if that has happened to you, and even if someone has spoken those words to you, you can forgive yourself even if someone has not forgiven you. Which I believe is so key to understand. Because as I said last week, forgiveness is not about them. Who's it about? You. Me. And that's why this is so key. 
So I'm going to put something up on the screen that I'm going to go back to, but here's just what I want you to know. Based on faith in Jesus, we have these bright futures ahead of us filled with love and hope and restoration. If you haven't forgiven yourself for something, if you haven't forgiven yourself, your future will be darker than it should be. But let me talk about a couple of things that the scripture tells us about those of us who have said yes to Jesus and what happens when we experience things that are against God or things that are against others. This is what he says. In 2 Corinthians, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Meaning that every single moment of every single day, you are new that you have an opportunity to claim life like never before. The old is gone, but the new is come. Psalm 103, 12. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. You know how far that is? Infinite. Far enough that we could never see it. And I love this verse because the author uses the words, our sins. He doesn't talk about the hierarchy of sin or one being worse than the other. He just says he has moved our sins as far as the east is from the west. Do you know what this means? This means that you need to look at yourself in the mirror if you're struggling with this or have struggled with this and make some decisions that it's time to begin the process of forgiving yourself so you can go out and be the light of the world that Jesus called you to be, understanding that you would never, ever experience perfection and you will fail again and he he will be right there to pick you up when you fall. How about that? What if we live that way versus living with the guilt and the shame and the fears and the anxieties and the depressions that have consumed some of us? What if we live that way? So every week at Downtown Harbor Church, we put a word on the screen. It's a word that we just say over and over again because we just believe it to be so important, and it's this word. What's the practical? So I hear this message today. What's the practical? What do I take away from here on Sunday and put into practice in my life on Monday? Well, I truly believe this. I truly believe if anybody in this room is dealing with this, and gang, I truly believe from the bottom of my heart that God has ordained some of these messages for you to be right where you need to be. The conversations that I had last week with individuals who experienced things based on last week's message could only be divine intervention in their life as they process through family issues. So what's the practical today? Because I believe some of you are here today because you need to hear this practical. The first one is this, is you just put a stake in the ground and in your mind, begin healing. Maybe you need to write a date in your phone or write it somewhere on your refrigerator or in your car and go, you know what? Today was my day. November, what day is it? I don't even know what day it is. Let's look at that. Someone sent me a text message. I still don't know. So it happens you have ADD. 26th, okay? Right? So have a, the 26th is the day. Maybe that's the day that you can actually put a stake in the ground and go, this is my day. That I'm going to start the process of forgiving myself and beginning to heal in my own life. But that process isn't always physical. Don't miss this. That process, do you know where it begins? In the most powerful thing that you have in your body. 
human mind. That process starts in your own mind where you just make a conscious decision and you go, I'm done. I've lived with guilt and shame and in hiding long enough, I'm going to start over, understanding I don't have to live this way. And maybe, maybe it's time for you because you've dealt with it for so long that you need to seek the counsel of another, okay? Maybe you need to seek the counsel of another. Maybe it's time, right, that you actually go and have a conversation with a friend that you can trust that you need to talk with. Maybe it's time that you go to a different level and you seek some sort of therapy. I believe that therapy in people's life is a very good thing. If you're sitting next to your spouse, turn to them and say you need therapy. Don't do that. I'm just kidding, okay? That's not a good thing. You shouldn't do that, okay? We don't turn next to each other and say things here, but I just thought I'd get a laugh, okay? But I think it's good. Maybe you should seek the counsel of another. And then, when you're healed, understand you're never going to be perfect. Just try it. Let me know how it goes. Find me in a year. See if you've experienced perfection. The Apostle Paul wrote that he's not even there. But once you're healed, because I believe the healing power of Jesus when you deal with this and forgive yourself can bring restoration and redemption to your life. Here's what I believe that you should allow your story to change someone else. You should allow your daily journey, your story, to change the life of someone else because I will make very few guarantees from this stage. In fact, it's, been be, it's become one of my favorite slogans from this stage, but I'll guarantee you this. Someone else is dealing with or has dealt with what you deal with and they don't know what to do. And I don't know if you're going to write a book or you're going to have a conversation or you're going to stand on a stage like this and tell somebody about it someday. I don't know. But I just know this, is that once it's over for you and once you understand what healing is, allow your story to change someone else. Because at the end of the day, what do we have to help change the world around us? Jesus living inside of us and our changed life. If you haven't forgiven yourself, your future will be darker than it should be. And I believe our lives in the future should be light and filled with love and hope and restoration and redemption, honoring God at every step along the way. Forgive yourself. Move on. Don't live with the guilt and the shame that so many of us have dealt with so that you can live in the light. Let me pray for us. Father, just God, we love you and we thank you for who you are. Help each one of us to start by just forgiving ourselves and going, God, we know we've wronged others. We've known we've wronged people who we care about. We've known we've wronged our boss or our employees or our coworkers. God, help us to move on. Help us in our lives to no longer carry around that guilt, that shame, to move into hiding because that helps no one. You call us to a different way. You call us to a lighter way. And Jesus, I just believe that people are here this morning or listening this morning for a reason. Because there's people in this room or people who are hearing this online that needed to hear your word and your message today. So enter their hearts. Convict their hearts if they're not followers of yours to become followers of yours to say, yes, Jesus, I invite you into my life. And then to work on the process of beginning that healing to forgive themselves right where they are so they can go out and change this world for you. 
God, we love you and we thank you today. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.